Habits and Health, Episode 71. Welcome to the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. Brought to you by an educator and coach for anyone who wants to create a healthier life. Here's your host, Tony Winyard. Habits and Health, my guest today is Amy White. How are you, Amy? I'm great, thank you. And you're in California. I am in Northern California. And is, is that where you actually come from? No, actually, I am from Boston, so the East Coast. And then I lived there my entire life. And then my husband and I moved to Chicago when my kids were in high school, which they still are angry about. And then from Chicago, we moved over to Northern California. And was that because of work? My husband's business, yeah. So I'm a nutritionist. My husband's in the beer business. So how long have you been a nutritionist? I have been a nutritionist now for, I'm going to say over 12 years, but 12 years with all my certifications. What made you decide to go into doing that? So again, like everybody's story, it had to do with a family health issue, not mine but my daughter's. So my daughter had always had gut issues as a little kid. And growing up, I just assumed that was normal. I'm like, oh, this is what happens with little kids. So anyway, as she got older and was getting ready to go to college, I was like, I don't think this is so normal. And we should get this figured out before you go away. So we ended up doing the conventional medicine thing and not getting any answers and me getting very frustrated. And then somebody introducing me to a nutritionist. And I was just like, I don't even know what that is but we're open to anything. And she suggested some very minor dietary changes for my daughter. And it was like magic. And so I was just like, wait a second, I'm all in here. And I think what happened was I just started reading everything I could find, just devouring information. And I ran out of things to read. I didn't know where else to find stuff. And I said to my husband, I I think I'm gonna need to go back to school because I need a reading list. And so that's how I ended up in getting my master's degree in nutrition. So I needed a reading list. Just before you saw the nutritionist and you've been seeing a normal doctor and whatever advice it, it was that they were giving wasn't helping. And I'm presuming it wasn't any nutrition advice they were given. Oh no, I can tell you, we went and had an actual scope done. She went under anesthesia. She was in, had the scope, came out in recovery. And the gastrointestinal doctor came in and said, she's so healthy. She's so great. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah, I know she's healthy mostly. She can't eat food without not feeling sick. But I mean, okay. And she's, yeah, no, she's great. She doesn't even have reflux. Her esophagus is completely healthy. So that was good news because we'd been told since she was an infant that she had reflux. And then she said her small intestine is red and inflamed, but that's nothing. And then she left. And that's when I was like, red flag. What do you mean? It's nothing. Red and inflamed seems like something. So yes, that's where I was at. And it was terrifying because I don't like not knowing the answer. I will always find an answer. And I will do what I have to do. to. If I have a question, I will find an answer. And I was at a dead stop. I'm like, that was the expert. Who else am I supposed to ask? So I was really, and the only reason my friend introduced me to the nutritionist was because I was complaining. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Who am I supposed to talk to? And then she said, you should talk to this nutritionist. Okay. And so once you saw the nutritionist, did she get back to completely normal? What happened? No. No, it was, so it was a basic, this was, I don't know, what what I say, 12, over 12 years ago. So the nutritionist said, stop eating gluten, right? right? And 12 years ago, it was just like, oh, that gluten thing, I've heard this coming up, it's this thing, but fine. So we went to Whole Foods immediately from there and bought everything we could find in a bag and a box that said gluten-free. 
And so that's what we did. And so it really wasn't that big of a change. It was still processed foods and it was still not, you know, garbage basically, but it made a difference. It was significant. So this kid had always had really bad dandruff, really stinky feet, always puffy in her belly and just always had really intense discomfort when she would eat and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And we took out the gluten and her dandruff went away and her stinky feet went away within days. And then she started feeling better. Like she wasn't feeling sick after she ate food. And so this was like, wait, what? So it was within a couple of weeks that she noticed, like she felt totally different. And then within a month, she lost, she wasn't overweight, but she lost that puffiness and maybe a little bit of extra weight. It just went away. It was magical. And I thought, this is just the tip of the iceberg. What is this? So since then, she's going to be turning 30. She has adjusted her diet to meet her own needs. Like she's had to take out mostly dairy. She's careful with her dairy. She never eats gluten ever. So she's very strict about gluten because she can tell. I made something that we make all the time and she was eating it. And within a few bites, she's like, mom, this has gluten in it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. I don't cook with gluten. I'm like, there is no gluten. We eat this all the time. She's like, no, mom, there is. And sure enough, she started having this pressure in her chest and all these things that happen. And so in the middle of the night, I was like, what? How could it possibly have had gluten? And I realized that I'd run out of baking powder in my pantry. It was my normal baking powder. But I went digging in my pantry and I found an old baking powder. And I just used, it was a teaspoon of baking powder. And I got up in the middle of the night and I went into the pantry and I looked and it it didn't say gluten-free, whereas my other one says gluten-free. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. It's just from this one teaspoon of baking powder. But she was just, she, everything, all of it came back. She was having all the reactions. So she's got a real tell, which is, makes it easy for her to avoid grains and things with gluten. It's just easy because she has that. Most people don't have that kind of a reaction. So we tend to feel like I'm fine. I can eat anything I want. Gluten doesn't bother me because we don't have that sort of visceral sort of reaction. When in fact, a lot of people are suffering with IBS. They're suffering with migraines and headaches and depression and anxiety. They're sluggish. They have no energy. And all of this can be related to what they're eating in their diet. It's very interesting. Sometimes it's better if you have a a severe reaction. How did you find the actual journey of the study and for to be a nutritionist? How was that? Oh my gosh, I loved loved it. And fortunately, I'm board certified as a holistic nutritionist. So I constantly am reading and getting new books and following lectures and going to conferences. But because I'm board certified, I still need a certain number of CEUs every year. So it it also makes it feel makes me feel like, oh, I, I should go to this conference or I should do that because I need those CEUs anyway. So it's just you just constantly learn new things. But it was interesting because I was going through a shift in my life at that time too. I was in um, you know, my early 40s and right around 37, I noticed that I was living in a body that I was completely unused to. I was puffy. I was uncomfortable. I was achy. I was putting on weight, which has never been something I dealt with before in my life. And I couldn't figure out what was happening. And so once I got into nutrition school, I really started to make that connection between food and the body more as food is information. And what I realized, I was giving my body the wrong information. 
So I wanted my body to do things. I wanted to have great energy. I wanted to sleep well. I wanted to be a certain weight. And yet what I was eating was actually telling my body, we should really not move much. We should just lay around. We should feel very tired. We should definitely pack on extra weight or fat so that we have fat stored up. It's disrupted my sleep. So I was actually telling my body the wrong thing. So I say to people, it's a communication issue. And so my work has really morphed into more body balance or metabolic balance especially for women 40 and old, late 30s, 40 and older, because you get to that point and you think, this is just what happens, right? I'm getting old. Everybody says this is what happens. And I'm here to tell you, no, that is not what has to happen. But you have to understand how to communicate with your body because what you could tell your body when you were 20 is different than what you should be telling your body now. So we metabolize for, for real. We metabolize sugars differently as we get older. And so I'm 55 now, and I am in way better shape than I was when I was 37. I'm in better shape than I was when I was 40, 45, and even 50. So I've just progressively, I feel like gotten better. And I look around and that's my message. I'm just trying to let people know, do not settle. You don't have to settle. You actually can get better. And I always drag my husband in. He's My husband's going to be 65 in December, and he is in the best shape of his entire life ever. So I'm like, don't settle. There's no reason to settle. You can have great health. You can feel really good in your body, but you just have to know how to communicate. The clients that you're working with, when they come to you, do they typically already have a, a certain amount of knowledge and realize that nutrition is going to be the key that's going to help them? Or, or are there cases sometimes where they're really surprised at how much nutrition can make a difference? Yeah, I would say most of the people that are coming to me at this point are very well educated and they also eat healthy. Most of them already eat healthy. Like they make a point of making all their own food, buying fresh food. They have gardens. So they're working, they're doing these healthy things. But after we start working together, they realize, oh my gosh, I had no idea how much sugar I was eating. I had no idea how unhealthy some of my healthy things were. And I like to say there's no bad food. You basically shouldn't fear any food. As long as you understand how food impacts you personally, then there is no fear because and once you understand and know something, don't be afraid of an Oreo cookie, but understand what that Oreo cookie is going to do to you, how it's going to make you feel. And then you get to decide, do you want to eat the Oreo cookie or don't you? And sometimes maybe you'll say, yeah, I'm going to eat it. And I know I'm going to sleep like terrible, but I'm going to eat it anyway. Whatever. Don't fear the food. Just understand the impact. And then you make your choices based on your goals, what you want how you want to feel. It's, it, it's interesting that what you just said about most of the people that come to see you have already got a pretty good knowledge. They understand the importance of nutrition and so on. And the people who are in most need of your help are the ones who know nothing about nutrition. Those are my favorite. I love and the people that don't know anything. And how often do you get to see someone like that? Not super often, although I will say that most everybody's going to tell me that they eat really healthy or they try to eat healthy. They try to eat healthy. And then once we start getting into it a little bit more and we start, and I'm like, geez, I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on based on what you've outlined, what you're eating and all this. But then as we slowly get going, they'll be like, once I get into bed, I really, I get so hungry. So I always have this, this bedtime snack or I, oh, my act. And finally, I was like to said to somebody, 
somebody recently, I'm like, so you don't snack, you don't treat yourself, but if you were going to snack or have a treat, what would it be? Cake is my absolute favorite thing. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, so how often do you have cake? I only have it like at the most three times a week. And I'm like, okay, hold on. So this is the person that eats really healthy and they make their own food. And I'm like, okay, hold on. So there's, these kind of things start sneaking out. And so we'll work on that. But it's, it. I love the people that are starting at zero because it's so fun to watch them go, what? And just to see the change that happens so quickly when they make a little tiny adjustment. It's amazing. But even to see the adjustments in the people that actually do eat healthy and really do make their own food, but then start shifting maybe what they're making or some of the things that they have in their pantry or some of their typical ingredients, then all of a sudden they start seeing shifts. It's You know what I find super frustrating is when I go to the grocery store and I see somebody filling their grocery cart with what appears to be really, this person is obviously trying to make good choices for their family. They're buying the healthy granola bars. They're buying a, a pretty low sugar cereal. They're buying all these things. They're actually making an effort to eat well and to give good food to their kids. But I look in that cart and I'm like, oh, they're just one square over. They just, they haven't quite made it. Right. And just if they, they were, if, so I find that so hard because you don't, you, know, you would never say anything, but there's always, I, I look at those granola bars and I'm like, I think I have some better ideas for you. They're trying. So. Well, do you ever get people who come to you who clearly are trying and they're taking a ton of supplements? What happens? Do you ever get anyone like that? So I, you know what? It's so funny that you mentioned that, I don't usually. Most okay. of my private clients aren't taking um, supplements. If they're taking anything, they're taking a few things. I have sometimes people who have been really working with naturopaths and other doctors, and they'll come in with supplements and things like that. But I actually always, I don't even go there with supplements at first. Like I, I just don't do that. I, it's broad strokes. We always start with food. And then I feel like if there's some specific supplements that I know will help with some sort of imbalance, we will look at that. But that's interesting. Yeah. I don't get a lot of people who are just with tons of supplements, which is nice because I will basically let them, I basically say, if you want to take them and they, and they, you think they're working for you and you want to, and, it, and it's working, you can do it, then you should just do what you want to do. But it's, yeah, I, I always find if you give somebody or suggest more than maybe three, maybe four things, they tend to take nothing. It just becomes too overwhelming. So unless there's a reason for them to take something specific, it just... They just won't do it. I know you you have a program called Hangry to Healthy. Yes. I'm, I'm intrigued as to how that came about. I've been one-on-one -on -one coaching clients for, again, like 12 years. And over time, I realized that it's I, I have a system and we go through the same pattern. And I thought, I, I really want to move this more to a group program because I get energy I know not everyone does, but I get energy from people. So to me, a group program is like the greatest thing ever because everybody can work together and there's this um, 
motivation that happens and the support and everybody sharing ideas. So the Hangry to Healthy program basically is what I've coached privately one-on-one, but now put into a, a program. And it's a three-phase system. It's 12 weeks and it starts again by bringing your body into balance. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to get rid of those most common inflammatory foods and we're going to balance out your metabolic hormones so that you actually remember what it feels like to feel good. So your energy is going to go up. Your sleep is going to improve. Your cravings are going to go away. Your appetite's going to balance out. So you're not hungry all the time. You're not like getting home from work and binging because you're so starving. You're not running around looking for nasty, crappy treats all day because your energy's tanking. So first, we're going to balance all that out. And then once that's in balance and everybody's feeling really good, we move into phase two. And I just recently started to describe this because I think of phase two as this tangible phase, but it's not really, right? Because you can't put your hands on your body and shift your body mass. You can't like go, okay, I'm taking off this fat and I want this lean muscle. You can't tangibly do that. So it's almost tangible. I say it's like having this control knob that you now know how to turn and you go, okay, I'm turning the knob. I want to be at fat burning oh, I'm now turning the knob. I want to be living at maintenance. Oh, I'm turning that knob. Okay, now I'm going to gain some fat. I want to like pack on some weight. So you actually have control over this little knob or dial and you can set that. This is what we do in phase two is I explain some a couple of dietary theories around energy and protein and fat burning versus fat gaining versus eating in a way that's going to maintain the status quo stay, which is a skill. This is another problem is people don't understand that you can't always be building or burning. You have to settle into maintenance at some point, and then you can go back to burning or building. But maintenance is a skill. And so people get into this mindset where they're just like, okay, I have to lose weight. So I'm just always going to eat this way. But I'm like, no, you have to go back and you have to live at maintenance. And so anybody that yo-yo diets, I think can understand this idea of maintenance being a skill, like you learn how to stay where you're at. So anyway, so phase two is all about the dial and tuning that dial based on your goal. I want to burn fat. I want to gain fat. I want to just live in maintenance. And then phase three is just taking that everything they learned about their body, about food, about that communication and bringing it into real life. So how do you go to parties? How do you travel? How do you enjoy the holidays? How do you now add healthy stressors back into your life? So we've reduced all that overall chronic stress that was happening under the radar. So now you can add healthy stressors like exercise and fasting and things like that. So that's what we do in phase three. And then you learn more about how do I just live in maintenance? So how do I eat that's going to allow me to just hang out right where I want to be? Why the word hangry in that title? Right. So I am a low sugar nutritionist. So I uh, refer a lot to this idea of blood sugar roller coaster. And when somebody is living on a blood sugar roller coaster, they eat some food that's going to shoot their blood sugar really high. So their pancreas reacts with usually too much insulin and then it crashes. And when you crash, this is when you feel hangry. This is when you can't think. This is when you're like, I'll talk to you after I get something to eat. I can't work right now. I just have to get a snack. I, you just have this, all you can do is think about this food or this pick-me-up that you're going to have because you, you're a little bit dizzy. You're a little nauseous. You're not really thinking. You're angry because you're hungry. 
So that's the hangry part. And so you just live through this all day, up and down. And you're basically eating every hour and a half to two hours because you're crashing. Because the food that you eat when you're hangry is going to spike your blood sugar. People always say we have muscle memory from when we exercised or played sports. But you also have sugar memory. And so as soon as you hit hangry and your body is basically having a blood sugar low and it's in a panic because it's like you're going to die if we don't get something right now. You're going to have this parade or slideshow in your head of every yummy treat you've ever had (laughs) and what you should go get. Oh, we should go get those Fritos or we should go get that uh, donut or that muffin or whatever it is. So that's what's running through your head. We hope you are enjoying this episode of the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you are looking for the fastest and most effective way to transform your energy and well-being, we invite you to join Tony for an upcoming Habits and Health Workshop. This five-week group workshop will empower you with tools to disrupt unwanted habits and make positive changes easy. You'll enjoy sounder sleep, better energy, less stress, and a happier mood. Workshops begin on the first week of every month, and you can sign up at TonyWinyard.com. Now back to the show. A lot of people now are using continuous glucose monitors. They're getting very popular, aren't they? Mm-hmm, they are. Do many of your clients use those? Nobody has used them. I've done it because I always I want to try everything. So I want to, you know, if I'm going to talk about it, I want to have tried it. So I did try that. I didn't actually find it that helpful for me, but mostly because I think I eat in a certain way and there wasn't a lot of activity. So it wasn't very exciting, but it is something that if I have somebody who is struggling and they're not really understanding what might be impacting or stalling them or holding them in a place they don't want to be, I would consider saying, why don't we try it? Let's see. Let's just see. Maybe we should explain it for anyone listening who doesn't know what a continuous glucose monitor is. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you could just explain what it is and how it might help. Someone. Yeah. So it's this little, it's like a little button and you get it and then you put it on your arm, on the back of your arm and it's got a little plunger. So it's, what would you say? It, it it pricks you like it sticks in. It's got a, yeah. p- a poker. And so it sticks in. It doesn't hurt. It hurts for maybe a second. And then you put it on and then you put your tape over it so it doesn't get banged and fall off or whatever because you wear it for a week. And you usually it comes with an app on your phone. And then as you are eating, it will show you exactly what's going on with your blood sugar. So if you eat something that you personally react to or causes your blood sugar to spike, you'll see that on your continuous glucose monitor. Because a lot of times I'll say fruit is not a bad food, right? Fruit's a great food, but is it right for you? So maybe you can eat um, blueberries, but perhaps if you eat an apple, your blood sugar spikes. So you'll be able to determine, oh, can I eat fruit at all? which fruits are better for me? Which ones maintain this lovely wave of blood sugar versus this spike in blood sugar? Some people say potatoes are really good, especially if you're not adding a lot of um, fat. You're just eating it as a complex carbohydrate. So that's a great one to test. Can you eat just plain potato, like cooked, cooled little red potatoes, for example? What does that do to you? Does it maintain a nat- a nice level of blood sugar or does it spike your blood sugar? And it's going to be different for different people. Yeah. Um, 
So there's, it's a kind of a fun way to test certain things. Maybe you somebody who just loved oatmeal and you're working with me and I'm like, listen, we're not eating any grains. We're not eating any grains, at least right now until we balance blood sugar and metabolic hormones. And you're like, but I just missed my oatmeal. And I would be like, go have a bowl of oatmeal. Let's see what goes on. Let's see. Maybe you can have oatmeal. So it's very, if you like data, it's super. Fun. I've never actually tried it. I know about them and the theory sounds fantastic, but I'm wondering, are there any downsides to, to using one of those? People get super, so ever, that's part of the problem is I think people are getting to this point where they like don't want their blood sugar to spike at all. Like they don't want to see any, they just want this to maintain this very narrow band with their blood sugar. And I think that's bad. You know, it's, you're supposed to have a natural wave in blood sugar. So yeah. it, you shouldn't be like creating this diet that gives you nothing, no flex. So I think that's one of the bad things with it is I, I think people will get really strict about what they're eating because they don't want to have any change in their blood sugar at all. And so that's why I don't necessarily bring them up or talk to people about them. It depends on the client. There might be somebody I would think, yeah, I do have certain clients that love data as much as I do. And in those cases, I would be like, oh, you know what you should do? <laughs> just try this. But for the most part, I just don't. And and you know what? Most people don't even want to get into the weeds. They right. just don't. They're just like, tell me what to do. How can I do it? What's you know the benefit? What's going to work for me? They don't right. want the details. They don't want to go to nutrition school. They don't want to go to the lecture. They don't want to watch the webinar. <laughs> They're just like, you do that and you tell me. So it's not, in my world anyway, it doesn't come up much. You mentioned a few minutes ago about some people might struggle and there was a person who was eating like three cakes a week or whatever it was. <laughs> so for someone in that situation who's got behaviours that they really want to change and they struggle making that change, how, how do you help them to make those changes in behaviour? That's one of the things about my program that I think is important is we have a call every single week. So there's accountability and action steps every week. It's baby steps. Even if that person, I'm like, okay, how about you have one cake a week? Maybe we don't say you're never having the cake again right now or whatever, which is what I prefer. I'm like, let's no grains, no cake. We're not doing it. But maybe this person, it's okay. How about if you have just the one one cake this week? That's it. So go from three to one. You, everybody's going to be different, but you got to, we need to check in. I need to understand what's going on and I need to know how you're feeling because if you're craving that cake, then there's more going on here. So we have to understand what's causing the cravings. You haven't had the cake all week, but you're craving that cake. So there's something else going on that's keeping your, I like to say, keeping your sweet tooth alive or humming. So what else is going on? So when I, ideally, when I first start working with people, I, I do want them to limit their sugars and carbohydrates. Because that is the fastest way for those cravings to go away. It's the fastest way for them to feel better and make that change. I'm always going to give them an alternative option because I don't say don't eat these things and then be like, good luck. You better white knuckle it and grit your teeth. Never. So I'm always going to say we're going to remove these things for now. Again, it's not forever. For now. But I, and if you need dessert here's all these desserts that you can make. Some of them take 90 seconds in the microwave. Some of them you can put in the oven. Some of them you just whip up really fast. You don't cook them at all. But these are going to be alternative desserts that are super delicious. They're going to be sweet. They're going to be gooey. They're going to be yummy, but they will not spike your blood sugar. 
So you will have a treat, but you won't be cheating yourself because you won't be creating cravings. So a lot of people like to use those treats the first couple of weeks, but very quickly they phase out of them because they're like, oh yeah, I oh, I forgot about that recipe. I wasn't even craving that. So their blood sugar really quickly balances out and those cravings go away. But I love this idea of transitioning. So always make sure there's something, if you have this favorite food, what can we use as a transition food? Break that addiction or whatever it is. I have maybe... These fad diets, you know, the vegan and keto and carnivore and so on. Do you ever have people who are convinced that is the right way to go, but the results are showing that's not the right way to go? Yeah. So if they come to me, I'm going to always say, what have you tried? What's worked? What hasn't worked? And then, so my phase one is very low carb and it's definitely even keto. Like a lot of the recipes I may introduce in phase one are going to be keto recipes. And I've had people come to me and be like, I can't, I've done keto. It doesn't work for me. So I, while I'm a low sugar nutritionist, I also think that the keto diet tends to be people do it wrong, so to speak. There's a lot of emphasis on fats, healthy fats, and I'm a big fan. But the problem is the pendulum swings a little too far. And so all of a sudden people are like, no, I'm supposed to be eating all this fat. I'm being keto. I'm doing all these things and I'm, I'm, I'm living on fat. I'm running on fat. I'm keto. Yes. But if you're going to add a lot of dietary fat in and you have a goal to lose body fat, you will not succeed because yes, you're teaching your body how to burn fat and you're optimizing your ability to do this. The more dietary fat you're giving your body, it's like giving it fuel on a silver platter. It will never dig for body fat if it's got to burn off what you're eating. So people really run into this problem of not being able to shift their, they may have some success at the very beginning, but then all of a sudden it stops and they can even start gaining weight. So while I do like keto recipes at the very beginning, because they're high fat, and that helps people break sugar addiction, we don't stay there. I then teach them like how to be low sugar, but not be super high fat. How we basically, this is when we start playing with that control knob I was talking about. You do run into that kind of stuff. I don't work with vegans or vegetarians. I'm animal protein based. There's nothing wrong with being a vegan or vegetarian, but I'm not your best option. There's other people out there that specialize in that. And so I will always tell people, and I have nutrition friends who specialize in that. And so I will send them that way, but I'm not the right fit for them. So I I talk to the people that want to join my program and we make sure that it's right for them and I'm right for them and they're right for me. So there's got to be a good fit. What habits have you introduced that would be most helpful to you? The habits that I introduced for me was definitely going grain free. I said my daughter way back when gluten free. It didn't take long for us to realize that we needed to be grain free. So people like rice, for example, is one of those safe grains that people are like, this is a gluten free safe grain. And both my husband and my daughter react to rice. My husband will have an asthma attack if he eats rice. And he's not asthmatic. So this is when I realized, okay, all the grains, let's clear them all out. So grain-free. And then the other thing for me was definitely prioritizing sleep, tracking my sleep and getting at least eight plus hours of sleep a night. Sugar carb cravings. Someone's got ravenous appetite. Are mood swings related with that? 
Absolutely. We're back to that blood sugar roller coaster. So again, if you're somebody who's like very moody, it's very likely that this is falling into that hangry category. So you're, again, you're having a blood sugar crash and you're not able to function. So I have, I am a total sugar addict. I have a very big sweet tooth and my husband and I were lucky enough to go to the Super Bowl. I don't know how many years ago, this is in the United States and it was in Texas and I don't remember how many years ago, but it was quite a while ago. And I remember being at this big event and in the morning, just being so angry and just mad at everybody because I wasn't on my eating schedule because we were supposed to be at certain places at certain times. I remember at that moment in time, just thinking, what is wrong with me? I'm at this huge event. We're going to all these things and I'm mad because I can't get you know, my eggs right now or whatever it is. And I thought, what is happening? And it was me. I was living on a blood sugar roller coaster and it was that one and a half or two hours and I was crashing and now it was just mad. My mood was out of control. And I thought, there's something wrong here. Yeah. So yes, the mood swings are a huge part of that energy crash. What is meant by body imbalance? So that, so I try not to use the word metabolic that often because I think most people don't really know what that means. So when I say body imbalance, what we're looking at is trying to rebalance the hormones that control your metabolism. So what that means is the hormones that make you hungry, the hormones that make you feel like you're full and you should stop eating, the hormones that are going to allow you to use onboard energy, so body fat. So the, the hormones basically that tell you when to eat, when to stop eating, how full you feel, and then your level of energy throughout the day. So that's what we're trying to rebalance. And so think of it as like factory reset. We're trying to go back to those factory resets from when we were kids and we just ate when we were hungry. You ran around and thought, oh, I'm hungry. I need a snack or I need to eat. Now we eat on the clock and we're constantly thinking about food and when we're going to eat and what we're going to eat. And it takes up so much time in our day. But once you rebalance those hormones, all of a sudden your cravings go away, you eat three times a day, maybe sometimes two times a day. You're not thinking about food all the time. You're just, you feel balanced. What are your feelings about things like time-restricted eating, intermittent uh, fasting? So in phase three of my program, once you've established that your body's back in balance, those hormones are balanced, so that's phase one. And then phase two, you learn how to play with that dial, that control dial of what it is you want and then how to kind of communicate to your body how to do that. Phase three is this ramp up. It's this kind of reset ramp up. And that's when we start to reintroduce healthy stressors, if you so choose. So that would be fasting. That would be exercise. And I want to make something very clear. Exercise and movement are two different things. Everyone should be moving no matter what phase you're in. But exercise is a stressor. And so if you're already under a ton of stress and you're going to add a lot of exercise, you're probably just going to cause more trouble as opposed to good. Your cortisol is going to go high. You're not going to sleep well. So phase three is when once I feel like everybody's calmed down, their body's in balance, I'm like, okay, now let's talk about some healthy stressors. And fasting is one of those stressors. But I will always tell everyone, don't force a fast. I want your body to fast naturally. And at this point, it should be fasting naturally. You should be going longer between dinner and breakfast just because you're not feeling hungry. You should go longer between meals because you're full and satisfied. So you should be getting a lot more fasting time to feasting time without really trying. And then if you're really feeling good and you want to start a 
push your fasting window a little bit, that's when you should start doing that. Get your minimum of 12 hours overnight. And then if you want to go to 14 hours or 16 hours or 18 hours, whatever's going to feel good to you, then you can start doing that. But especially for women, you want to be careful of creating that excess stressor and causing that spike in cortisol. And do you ever have people on longer fasts, say two or three days water fasts or anything along that? I find with women, it gets tricky. And while most of the women that I work with are tend to be over 50, so menopausal, I do have younger women who are still menstruating. And so the extended fasting can become a little bit of a problem for them cyclically. Um, but sometimes I'll do a three-day fast. And yeah, I wouldn't tell people not to do it. It is a little bit more of a forced fast. But if you're feeling balanced and you feel like you've dialed everything in, then this is a fun time to, if you want to play with that, then you can. I maybe do a three-day fast once or twice a year. I haven't done one this year yet. So yeah, it's it just depends on the person, I would say. So, so changing the subject, if one of the questions I always ask every guest is about books that are particularly mm-hmm. moved them. So does this one come to mind for you? So when you sent me this question, the book that instantly jumped to my head was a book I read when I was in my 20s, I think. And it was called Expecting Adam. Maybe I was in my early 30s. It has nothing to do with nutrition or anything. And I'm not particularly religious. However, I think um, more, uh, probably more spiritual or kind of universal energy or however you want to describe it. And the book Expecting Adam, it's a religious book in a way because I think there's a lot of God in the book. But it just was such an incredible book in the sense that it talked a lot about, it was mostly just to me, it was just like this whole sort of everyone's connected kind of a thing. I don't know. It's It was really this cool book and it's always stuck with me. But if I were going to talk about a book that in my world that I think is an amazing book and everyone should read, I would say it's the book called Why We Get Sick by Benjamin Bickman. That's an amazing book as well. What is it about that book? So he is a professor and a researcher on insulin and metabolic health. And so he really does a nice job explaining that conversation that you have with your body through food. And so he outlines why as we age, we suffer with these degenerative diseases and how it's, again, you don't have to, that does not have to be your future. But I really like the way he talks and I like the way he explains things. And I think it's a book that's accessible to anybody. And I think it might make people really stop and think, and it could be a very good first step toward making those lifestyle changes. If, if people want to find out more about you and the programs that you've got and social media and so on, where would they go? So my company name is The Simplicity of Wellness, and it's thesimplicityofwellness.com. That's Simplicity of Wellness on Instagram. That's Simplicity of Wellness on Facebook. I believe it's That's Simplicity of Wellness on LinkedIn as well. And so those are my social media. Play. If you look at the Simplicity of Wellness, I should pop up. <laughs> and all the details about your programs, I, I presume, are on your yeah. website. If you go to my website, it's the Simplicity of Wellness and then forward slash hangry to healthy. But if you click on the Simplicity of Wellness up at the top of the bar, I think it says work with me and that will take you to my hangry to healthy program. And then I did also, I think, give you a link to share that's my seven day meal plan. 
So that's available. You can find that also on my website, but you have to dig. I think it's over on my about page. So I think I, I just gave you the straight link so that people didn't have to dig for that. And then if you go to my homepage, you can jump right into a free five-day mini course that you just get through email. Um, that kind of introduces you to me and my approach, basically. And finally, Amy, is there, do you have a quote that you like? Yeah. So <laughs> my husband found this quote a long time ago, and I love it. And the actual quote is this, it's anonymous and it's a handwritten, but it's got a picture of a very old man on there with the quote. And it says, only one thing made him happy. And now that it was gone, everything makes him happy. And I just love it because to me, it's one of those moments in time where you remember not to be so myopic, not so focused, but to always pick your head up, look around. There's so much that you can be grateful for and happy for. But if you're just focused on one thing, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss all the other great stuff. And so, I don't know, that's one that always pops into my head. And I, I often share it a lot. But I know I've shared it on all my social media. It's one pointer. Well, Amy, thank you very much for your time. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you. So thank you. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed being here. Next week is episode 72 with Hans Ambachia. He helps people, especially men, empowering them with their health, their physique, mood, cognition, sexual function, hormones, and ultimately their lives. He's a founder and CEO of Men Elite, and he creates step-by-step solutions from articles and eBooks to coaching and consulting. That's next week with Hans Ambachier. If you like this week's episode with Amy White, please do share it with anyone who would get some real value from it. And it could be that some of the, the nuggets that Amy gives in this episode may not hit you right now, but it could be in a few months' time. They really become valuable for you. So always useful to make notes on some of these things and keep them somewhere where they can be found because they, although it may not be valuable to you now, it could be in a days, weeks, months or whatever. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode and see you next week. Thanks for tuning into the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. You can also sign up for email updates and learn about coaching and workshop opportunities at TonyWinyard.com. See you next time on the Habits and Health Podcast.